1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 26 through to 31. And uh, as you're turning there, I just want to share a little story. A group of elderly gentlemen, these guys were quite cultured men. Uh, often they met to exchange wisdom and to drink some tea, funny enough, because they're cultured men. You know, they, they are quite uh, fancy gentlemen. So they uh, you know, got together and exchanged some wisdom, started drinking some tea. And uh, each host would find the most uh, costly varieties, try and create these exotic blends of tea just to arouse the admiration of his guests. And then one of the most uh, respected uh, men of the group, it was his turn to serve the tea. And so he, you know, he did this with, you know, unprecedented, you know, ceremony. He was quite, uh, you know, particular about serving his tea. And so he served out of this uh, gold box, the leaves. He put it in every tea, made sure the temperature was perfect. And he served each and every one of the guys, the, you know, in the room, the tea, and everyone, after they sip their tea with the little pinky. I know some of you guys do that. <laughs> and as they begin to drink, you know, each one of them said, wow, this tea is amazing. This tea is exquisite. And the host smiled and said, the tea you found so delightful is the same tea our peasants drink. The tea that's found near the, uh, the rubbish dump that they begin to pick off the flowers and pick off the tea. That's where it's from. <laughs> And all of them were like kind of amazed and the guy ends up speaking and says, I hope it'll be a reminder to all that all good things in life are not necessarily the rarest or the most costly. And I want to take that thought that good things in life are not necessarily, you know, the rarest or the most costly. And I want to preach a message entitled, we're just ordinary people. We're just ordinary people tonight. In our text, God takes the ordinary, God takes the common and he uses 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Read along with me if you want. It says this, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. I want you to underline that. Foolish things of the world. Highlight if you have your highlighter. To put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world. You want to underline that too. To put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world. Underline that. And the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing that are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. I want to preach a message called, We're Just Ordinary People. And yes, I did steal that line from John Legend. <laughs> so number one, ordinary people. Let's consider that thought for just a moment. Because the kingdom of God, how many know, is built with and through ordinary people. You know, the term that's not used so often is the, the term layman. Layman is the definition a person without professional or specialized knowledge in a particular field or subject. Layman. Someone who isn't trained to a higher professional standard. Someone who isn't qualified, certified, or competent. Someone who isn't eligible, who doesn't meet the requirements. The word is derived from the Greek word, which is lykos, meaning of the people or common. This is layman terms. 
And in our text, God uses common people. God uses ordinary people just like you and I. People with no significant or social status. No fame, no part, you know, no part in uh, the celebrity status, no prominence or prestige, just ordinary people. This is what it means to be a layman. That God uses people with, that has no special thing about them and he decides to use them and make them into something special. In our text, Paul gives us a clear description. He speaks about the foolish things. That word in the original Greek meaning, it, get this right, it means dull, stupid, blockhead, absurd, godless. Paul writes then again, he writes about the weak things. This word means strengthless, feeble, morally sick. And then he goes on and he mentions the base things of the world which means ennoble, someone of unknown descent, someone of no family, a lowborn, a nobody. And then he mentions the things which are despised, meaning the words that is used here is rejected, something of nil value. This is a description of the layman, ordinary people living ordinary lives. And listen, in our text, it says that God has chosen this particular people, the outcasts, the ones who were rejected, the ones who were hopeless, the one who had no future, the one who failed in school, the one who had no, nothing going on for him. God chose to use people. The foolish things that God chose for himself to use, it's the things which were deemed weak that God decided and he looked down on earth and says, that's you. That's me. In all the things God could have done, you know, he could have used the celebrities, the guys who you'd think, you know what, yes, they might have influence. Yes, God would use them so we bring revival in the earth that, that their lives could be changed for God. But God goes, you know what, no, 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 no. That's not a requirement. The layman, the nobody, the one who stays up at night crying herself to sleep, the one who's broken by relationship after relationship, abused in life. God goes, yes, I can use that. Base things in life, nothing noble, just the ordinary that God says I can use that. You know, God saw your broken heart. God saw the broken pieces. He sees who you can become and God decides to use people like you and I. He sees you and says, you know what, I can fix that. So many times we like to walk around, we think, man, I, I need to fix my life. Man, I need to get things in order. Man, I, just, I, I should just go first and just get a job and I'll just do this, this, this. And God goes, no, 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 just come to me. I'll use you. And that's encouraging because we like to think, oh, man, I've got to just get everything in order. Come to God. Let him fix the broken pieces. Let him take what you have and turn it into something beautiful. It's the things that have been despised. It's the things that have been rejected, undervalued. God goes, yes, I can use that. That the God of heaven and earth looks down and sees you and he sees the value. He sees the worth that's inside you. He sees your potential. He sees your purpose. No one else sees it. You don't even see it, but God does. You and I, the layman, the common Ordinary people, God uses. When you're out working in the factory, God sees you. 
God wants to use you. When you're out in your, in your own home, wondering how things are going to work out, God sees it. He says, you know what, I can do something with your life. I can turn things around. Nothing special about us, but just people who decide to surrender. You know, our fellowship, our church is built with hippies, man. Hippies that have been converted. Going back through the, uh, you know, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, what happened was that these guys were getting saved, these hippies, right? And all these other churches didn't want anything to do with these hippies. These guys were getting saved all left, right, and center. And these churches were saying, no, 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 we don't, we don't want to work with that. We just want the, you know, businessmen come. And Pastor Wayman Mitchell goes, no, nah, you know what? Come. And then he decides, he looks through the Bible and says, you know what, they, these men need to be discipled. These, you know, people who come from broken homes need to be discipled by the word of God. And our fellowship was built with layman people, people who were broken. Marriages that were on the, you know, the way to divorce, God steps in and restores. Alcoholism, you know what, we were once drag, drug addicts, delivered, set free, Hallelujah. Once we were abused and violated, but now healed and accepted by Jesus Christ. The mentally unstable and suicidal, receiving power, love, and a sound mind. Sinners who are able to come in to be forgiven, converted to Christ. We are the layman people, and God decides to use. And we see this filled throughout time and time again from the Old Testament. In your Bible, you read it for yourself. All throughout the Bible is filled with normal, ordinary people. Moses, think about him for a second, just a shepherd in the desert. God calls him to say, hey, go, be, go deliver my people. I've heard their cries. I've seen their pain. I'm going to use you. He's like, I, I can't, I can't. He's like, yes, I can use that. Yeah, yeah. You know, he sees that. He goes, yeah, I can use that. He sees Joseph. He goes um, from the, 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 the pit to the prison to the palace. And God says, you know what? Yes, I'll use that. David, a young man, a young sheep uh, boy, here he is, you know, the youngest in his sibling who went unnoticed, but yet God notices and used him. Gideon, a man of insecurity, God uses this man. Matthew, a tax collector. Peter and John were just simple fishermen. Isaac was a farmer. Mary was used by God to allow Jesus to be born. You know what the truth is? God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things in the earth. Can you say amen? So that leaves us secondly to the call to follow. Because when Jesus started his ministry on earth, we read it in Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 to through to 19. We read of how Christ gathers to himself his first disciples. Listen to verse 18. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus sees something in these men that they didn't even see themselves. In the eyes of the public, you know what? They're just simple fishermen doing their own lives, ordinary common people. And Jesus calls out and says, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And there's a call that cries throughout Beanley, throughout uh, this city, throughout Brisbane, Queensland, throughout this nation of Australia. And the call is to follow me. Jesus is calling out, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, he's saying, if you follow me, if you decide to surrender your life, your ordinary life, 
I'll take what you have and I'll turn it into something much, much more than what you could ever do. I'm telling you tonight, Jesus can do that. He can do so much more if you choose just to simply surrender your life and follow Jesus. The simple call. Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 25, For whosoever desires to save his own life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus sees the potential in all these men, yet haven't been touched, untapped potential. And sadly, this reality is that many people live their lives unable to submit to Christ and His call, unable to submit to godly headship. They refuse to follow Christ. They refuse godly counsel, and they find themselves never experiencing God's plan for their lives. God's calling out the broken. God's calling out the simple, the common people. But yet, because of man's pride, because of our own pride, we say, no, we're fine. We got this. We're under control. I can do this my own way. That's the reason why many people miss out on their potential in God. Their purpose remains, uh, God's purpose remains dormant. One of the reasons is because, number one, recognizing it. Jesus recognized the potential in these men. He made it known to them. He didn't elaborate uh, so much on it in great detail. He just simply spoke to them. He said, you'll be fishers of men. This is descriptive. He's giving them a, a seed of greater purpose planted through his words. Jesus recognized potential and he communicated. He spoke these words. How many of you have heard words like, you know what, you're nothing. You're, you're a nobody. Words of death. Words that, you know what, speak nothing in your life. Man, I remember growing up and I had coaches telling me, you know what, great, great potential, great. But yet my own pride, my own pride said, no, no, no. And there are people sitting here tonight, God speaking over you, saying, you know what, there's potential in your life. God is calling you for greater things. But yet, will you be able to follow the call? Will you surrender your life? When you begin to surrender your heart, Jesus begins to intervene and he uses you. And Jesus recognizes the potential and he communicates that to his people. And I want to ask the question as well, because this can flip the coin here. When was the last time you saw and communicated potential in someone else? In someone else's life? You know, this is a powerful thing that can be so neglected that you miss the opportunity in someone else's life. All you see is, yet they just walk into church. Yet we don't see how God sees. We don't feel how God feels. We've missed the point. We've missed God's spirit. Yeah, we're so concerned about, oh, man, let, do you see how God sees? Do you see how God sees them? Well, communicate to the people. Tell them they're worth something more than what they're doing. Tell them in God's eyes they're valuable. Tell them they've got purpose. Tell them they've got a purpose in God, that God wants to use their lives. Instill those words on how Jesus recognized potential and how he communicated. Do it. When you see it, do you see the potential? Do you communicate it to those who come in the church? It's not about what people are. It's about what they can become. Can you say amen? Secondly, an unwillingness to follow and surrender. You know, potential needs to be unlocked, but it comes down to the individual making the decision. Now, I've sat down with countless of young men, 
both even when I was in, you know, not even a pastor and also as a, uh, as a pastor in Kabulcha. And I remember sitting down with these young guys and saying, man, God, you know, has a potential for you. God's got great plans for you. Yet again, just like how I experienced my own pride, and yet you see it in them. Pride stopping them from allowing God to move. I want to ask you a question. Are you teachable tonight? To follow Christ, to be his disciple means to be a learner. It means to be a student. But will you be teachable when your pastor gives you instruction and correction? Will you decide to say, you know what, I'm going to submit my life to the call of Christ and submit myself to godly headship? You know, you speak to so many people and it's like, oh, pastor, you know what, uh, uh, you know what, speak it to my life. I want to be a disciple. And yet when you go to speak into their hearts and you go to speak into their lives, all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you notice something's not right. A religious spirit or something. It's like, you know what, man, this, this guy or this woman is not able to be teachable because they chose not to surrender their hearts to Christ and to godly headship. And this is critical when you're, uh, you know, in ministry. I hear it so often in shepherd seminars, stories of pastors who give account after account of people, particularly men who have such potential and purpose, yet unwilling to follow God and unwilling to surrender their lives to godly counsel. And yet you're trying to build the church, you're trying to go forward, and yet people are trying to, you know, come in with other religious backgrounds. And it's like, you know what, yes, I remember saying to my pastor, I said, man, you know what, pastor, this is a real thing. He says, you know, Bobby, you just can't build off religious people. That's why the church is built of laymen, the common people, those who are broken, those who just decide to follow Christ and surrender their lives. And brother, I want to tell you tonight, will you surrender your heart? Sister, will you surrender your heart and be teachable and say, you know, I'm going to submit myself unto Christ to hear his call and to follow godly instruction. He called the common people, church, the ordinary people. They begin to infiltrate this dark and dying lost world to go out and reach the lost. But yet people, even disciples, yet because of their own pride, unwilling to follow. There's a God that they've put up. I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to do that. Yet, potential is yet to be unlocked. But it is unlocked when you decide to follow Christ and say, I'm going to surrender. And that's an attitude that you must have that says, you know what, I'm going to submit myself. I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. I'm going to submit myself to my pastor. Godly headship. Because we're just ordinary people that God wants to use. I want to tell you, unless you make that follow me decision, you will never fulfill your God-given potential. Because without the follow me, there is no I will make. Think about that for a minute. Some people have this unwillingness to follow, this attitude that's so warped, that says, I'm not going to do anything, I'll just come to church. But yet, God wants to use your life for greater things. And to follow means you're going to uh, allow someone else to take the leading role in your life. To follow means to submit. It means to yield. It means to surrender. It means that someone else's preference above your own. It means obedience to another. You know, in those times, a disciple would follow their teacher everywhere. And Jesus, you know, at this call wasn't a social one. He was calling these men as his own disciples. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. God turned tax collectors, God turned fishermen, God turned demonic, possessed, crippled, lame, and broken people 
into major, major contributors to the kingdom of God. If you will embrace all that comes with living for God, it doesn't matter your background, your culture, your upbringing. Listen, if you decide to surrender your life, I'm telling you, you will, you will step into something that God has for you. God's got something greater. But will you surrender? Will you submit yourself to His call and godly headship? Thirdly, let's close with heavenly purpose. When Paul was preaching in Thessalonica, religious leaders who became envious because of Paul and Silas that went into the city. Listen to this, Acts chapter 17, verse 6. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. You know, the report of the, had already gone throughout uh, the land. The, Jesus is, you know what, uh, ministering through these normal, uh, common people and they're turning the world upside down. Why? Because God took ordinary people, made them something, made them into a mouthpiece of divine truth to go into all the world, preach the gospel, making disciples of every nation, regular, ordinary people, just like you and I tonight, that turned the whole world upside down because of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 through to 5. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I mean, think about what happened here in Bean Lee, man. Think about what happened here in this church. Everything that has happened in the last three or so years of this congregation could not have been manipulated or manufactured. It is simply by the grace and power of God. Can you say amen? God began to take Pastor Dax and Rose and God began to come down and begin to minister to the broken, the lonely. God began to bring in people from all different backgrounds and God built His own church. And God is still doing that today. Man, to this day, I'm incredibly, incredibly humbled just to even stand behind any pulpit and preach because I know where I'm from. I know where I came from. Broken, young, rebellious teenager, man. I remember getting saved in the you know, end of high school. You know, no purpose, no direction. I didn't want to take you know, instruction from my teachers. I didn't want to listen to any authority. Mom and dad split up. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to live my life the way I live. Just to cover up and coping mechanism, just to, you know, all the emptiness inside. Just try to live my life parties, try to feel all these things to cover this emptiness in my life. I remember getting saved, giving my life to Jesus. Remember countless of these men were telling me, you know, the, the purpose and God, how God changed their life. And I was like, man, if God can do that for you, God can do that for me. Yeah, yeah, he can. And I'm humbled. I stand to this day. I'm still amazed by what God has done. And I want to say, you know what? God can do the same in your life. Man, I remember working my first job after high school. I was telling the guys, and it was my first job was licking envelopes. <laughs> licking envelopes. I'm, I'm like, you know what? Talk about being humble. Jesus humbled me. <laughs> Here I am, you know, I thought I was a cool, popular kid. Next minute, I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, it's like in, in these couple of months of just being saved and just working this old, rusty old, you know, factory job. And I remember stepping out of the factory, getting into this, this small little room. I, man, I, I begin to cry out to God. I begin to thank God. God, thank you for this job. God, I thank you for saving my life. Man, I'm weeping my eyes out. God, thank you for taking me from someone that I was so lost and broken and you, you gave me a, a new life. 
And God began to take my brokenness. God began to take my messed up life, my mind that was so, you know what, wrong in, in this world. And God began to use me. After getting that job, God, you know, they, another job came up and said, you know, they came and said, hey, there's a job in the city, 19 floors up. You know, you go, I said, hey, 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 no. And sure enough, you know, I went in this job. It was a market analyst job. Get that right? It was like, you know, you had to go for an OP study and everything. I, I looked at the requirements. I said, oh, man, that's nothing. Oh, man, I, 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 I can't do this. But yet I went in for the interview. They were like, oh, do you know anything about the ASX, Sydney Futures? And you know, I was like, excuse me, what was that? They said, well, don't worry. <laughs> I had no idea what he said. <laughs> I had no idea what this guy was talking to me. I, was, I had my tie on. I had my full-on afro. I was like, man, what's going on? But God had a plan. God had a plan. If you remain faithful, if you continue to submit yourself, if you continue to just surrender your life to the call of God and say, you know what, God, I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to submit myself to godly headship. I just want to be saved. <laughs> and God goes, you know what, I'll use that. I'll take that. And decision after decision after decision. Man, I stand here in this pulpit, just like Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Man, I'm telling you, it was nothing that I'd done to get to this point. All but by the grace of God. I'm telling you, it was just God's grace on, on our lives. So God decided to get married. God takes the common people, brother, sister. God takes the, 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 the people who just simply had enough of life. And just simply surrenders and say, God, I don't know what you can do, but here it is. I'm telling you, God can use that. But by the grace of God, you and I are the layman. We are the common people who are privileged, honored to be a part of a layman move of God. Our text says, for you see your calling, brethren. Not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. To put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world. To put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised. God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to, to, bring to nothing these things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence, but of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that is as it is written, He who glories let him glory in, it, in the Lord. You know what? When God decides to use the common and the ordinary, right there in, the te in our text, glory to the Lord. None of our working, none of our achievements, it's all for the glory of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. We're just ordinary people. God loves ordinary people. Amen. You're here tonight. I want to give an invitation as we do all every service because God knows every single one of our hearts. The Bible says that we're all sinners. We're all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sinned. No one is perfect. And I want to give a call, a call tonight. Maybe you're not saved. You know your heart isn't right with God. But God is speaking to you right now. You can feel His Holy Spirit touching your heart. And you know you're not right with God. You know if you were to die tonight in your sin, you wouldn't make heaven your home. 
If you recognize that tonight and you say, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want to make heaven my home. If that's you, God's speaking to you. You lift your hand and say, yes, that's me. He's speaking to you tonight. Don't fight the call. He's calling you. If that's you, you raise your hand. Say, yes, that's me. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. If you're watching from home, if that's you tonight, I want you to raise your hand and say, yes, that's me too. You're backslidden in your heart. You've decided to go back into your old ways, drinking, alcohol. You've gone back to partying. You've gone back to the sex, the drugs. You've gone back. Listen, God's calling you still. If there's breath still within you, there's still hope. God loves you tonight, friend. God is calling you tonight to repent from your sin and to turn to Him. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Make heaven your home. If that's you tonight, you want to get saved. You want your heart right with the Lord. You lift your hand with mine and say, yes, brother, that's me. I want to be saved. I want, to, I want a new start in life. I want my name written in the book of life. I want to make heaven my home. You raise your hand. You say, yes, that's me. You're backslidden. You're away from God. God is calling you. Jesus took your sins. He took my sins and he died upon the cross. He loves you tonight. And he's calling you. Would you lift your hand and respond to His grace? Would you respond to His Spirit, His prompting tonight? Say, yes, that's me. You lift your hand with mine. Say, yes, yes, brother, pray for me. I, I want to be saved. Brother, pray for me. Lift your hand at home. Lift it up. Lift it up as a sign towards heaven. Say, yes, God, that's me. You're speaking to me. I want to give my life to Christ. You lift your hand with mine. Backslider, it's not too late. Tonight's your chance. Turning to the church. There are men here tonight, there are women here tonight that have totally feel un, unworthy to be even used by God. You said, could God ever use me? Yes, He can. Church, God's called the common people, the broken people of this world. And He's calling you to be living testimonies, to bring glory to His name, to live for Him, to follow Him to submit to Him wholeheartedly so that you can unlock God's purpose in your own life. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Don't run back to your own sin and think, oh yeah, no, it's not for me. Listen, the gospel is for everyone. And it's given you and I purpose. It's given you and I a wonderful, wonderful plan. 